Show. All about golf, from putting to driving, from hooks to whatever. Now, here's your host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, Rich Styles. And a good morning to you. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you each week by Mizuno Golf, by Palms Resort, by Club Car, by RSM, and by Bridgestone Golf. On the show today, we're going to talk with Miller McCatcher and the GSGA rules about some events in the new year that are coming up, including a lot of women's events and the Jones Cup at Ocean Forest going on now. Then we'll talk with uh, sports psychologist Dr. Greg Steinberg of Mental Rules about how important it is to think or basically not think during your golf swing and how to get out of that funk during your round. Then we'll talk with the CEO of Global Golf Post, Jim Nugent, about the future of the PGA show in Orlando, even more so the PGA Tour's upcoming battle, which seems like it's already starting in a big way uh, with some of the news, allegedly, about Bryson and a $130 million contract and Phil's comments about, I want to play wherever I want. But first up, we're going to talk with Miller McCatcher of the GSGA. Good morning, Miller, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Thanks, Rich. Glad you're with us. So uh, first off, you're out at Ocean Forest. Tell us a little bit what's going on in the Jones Cup. Got a great field this year. Uh, Ocean Forest is an amazing host to the Jones Cup and some really good players. It's been fun to watch. Yesterday was a good day of weather, so there was some good scoring. The wind's going to pick up this weekend, so it'll be a true test this weekend. We'll see who comes out on top. Isn't it amazing sometimes that everybody loves to play in great weather, but the people who watch the tournament members who belong at Ocean Forest, they want to see what these kids are going to you know, play their course when the conditions are not so good. Yes, sir, and that's going to happen this weekend. we got <laughs> winds coming out of the north today. It switched. It was yep. out of the south yesterday, so it'll be a different test. A lot of those holes playing downwind yesterday will be into the, into the face today, so it'll be interesting to see how they score today. Yeah. Uh, a few it, of them went low yesterday. So. Yeah, well, it's going to always go well when the weather's good. We'll just see what happens this weekend. We'll find out more about that next week. But first off, tell us about some of the big events that are coming up for the GSGA this year. We're excited for another uh, awesome season. We have registration open. We're actually kicking off the season at uh, Sea Island for the mixed team championship. We're excited also about our inaugural women's four-ball championship at Echelon Golf Club. That's going to be June 1 and 2, and we're just excited about uh, being able to add that to our calendar this year. Um, our state amateur, our women's state amateurs at TPC Sugarloaf this year, June 27th through 29th, and then our men's state amateurs at the Atlantic Club Deer Creek, July 7th through 10th. So we'll be back down the coast, and we're excited for that one as well as our match play championships, our, our women's match plays at Old Scope Farm, July 31st through August 3rd, and, and our match play championship at Macklemore, July 31st through August 3rd. So we'll do a little mountain weekend up at Old Scope and Macklemore for the match play championships. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about Macklemore. I'm, I mean, I've seen the pictures. I've not played it, but a uh, pretty special venue. Yes, sir. We've made some switches this year. Um, we're moving to pod play. Last year we had 32 players. This year we're going to have 64 players that qualify throughout the state, a handful of exemptions, and those players will come up and, and play at least three matches of 
match play and move on to the round of 16 if you come out of your pod. All right, so one of the questions that I know a lot of people have asked me about the GSGA is all these tournaments coming up, uh, how do you qualify, how do you get in, uh, what do you have to do? For our mid-amateur championship, our amateur championship, our junior championship, and the match play championship, we have qualifiers all throughout the state, um, many different regions and, and many different opportunities uh, for courses. And just gsga.org under the play button, we've got our calendar events there. Select one of those qualifiers, and if, if you're the low player out of there, you know, depending on the size of the field, the amount of spots we have, but qualify through there and get to the championship. So, Miller, as far as, you know, let's say somebody with a five or six or eight handicap wants to go play, what do you think it takes to get into one of these tournaments? I mean, to play depending upon how many people obviously go in to try and qualify. Does it take like four or five under par? Or does it take like even par? Oh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't take four or five under. Uh, state amateur is open to every age group we have um, for the men, and it definitely is a little tougher to qualify for the state amateur. But for the mid-am, uh, junior match play, we do have a 10 handicap index cutoff, but okay. um, I'm, a, I'm a five myself, and I like to try to qualify, so... Um, you know, all it takes is one good day, and, and then you're on to the championship. Well, that's good to know. Uh, give the website again, uh, Miller, so our listeners can go to it, and if they aren't a member, they can join real easy by just going to the website. Yes, sir. Everything's at gsga.org. Under the play button, you'll find our competitions calendar for the year, and under the membership button, you can join or renew your membership there, and it's just a few simple clicks, and, and you'll be a GSGA member. All right. Well, I just joined. I joined a few months ago and uh, after talking to Matt and uh, Miller, thank you for being with us. Have a great day and good luck uh, in this uh, sketchy weather for the Jones Cup. Yes, sir. Well, we'll hope to see you on the course in 2022. I hope so, too. Thanks, Miller. Next up, we're going to talk with Dr. Greg Steinberg of Mental Rules. Uh, we're going to ask him a bunch of questions about how do we get out of some funks when we're not playing so well and a lot of those other questions that we have sometimes during our round. But we'll be back after a couple of brief messages on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Thank you for being with us. Hi, this is Davis Love III, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. Our next guest is uh, Dr. Greg Steinberg, who's been called the best performance psychologist by Golf Digest. Good morning, Dr. Greg, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh definitely a privilege to be on your show this morning. Well, I am uh, glad that you are here. And uh, one of the questions, I mean, I've got many, because uh, we all know what happens in between those six inches when we play golf. But tell us about what you call the secret to success. Well, I think a lot of people get it wrong. You know, we call it mental toughness. Everybody says, well, we got to work on our mental toughness. I don't believe that's true. I think you got to work on your emotional toughness. Hmm. I think when you uh, master your emotions on the golf course or in the world, you master uh, your success because really it's all about emotions. If you think about it, you could have the right thoughts. You could be confident. But if you're really nervous, which is an emotion, you're going to choke. So to me, when I work with players and the players that are most successful – they have mastered their emotions under pressure. And so when people say mental toughness, 
I think, yes, your thinking affects your emotions, but really you have to get your emotions under control if you want to play your best golf. So when you say emotions, I mean, mentally tough, okay, you know, we know we need to hit a three-wood on this particular shot. We need to draw it or fade it, whatever we can do. Uh, but when you say emotional, so if we're up there and we're tight and we're going, man, I really need this. I mean, is that an emotional uh, reaction or is that a lack of mental toughness at that point? Well, definitely your, your, your uh, thoughts will affect your emotions. But if you have a bad habit, such as, you know, a lot of people get, let's say, first tee jitters, um, that has become an emotional habit. And what you got to do is you have to fix those bad emotions to play your best. And you can do that through things like meditation. You could do that with, um, you know, having, you know, in a proper pre-shot routine that allows you to, you know, be reactive and have rhythm. And uh, the idea is that, yes, you want to have the right mental state, but the ultimate goal is having the right emotional state to play your best golf. And when you work with golfers, uh, let's just say some amateurs. We know the pros because, I mean, this is their business. They've really got to get serious about every aspect. But from an amateur standpoint, um, maybe we don't know the difference between emotional and mental toughness. Well, the idea is that when, when you're on the course, this is the question I ask all the players, whether they're beginners or whether they're pros. I say, when you're playing your best golf, what are you thinking and what are you feeling? You know, and they'll tell me, well, I'm... I'm, I have a high-intensity level, but I'm calm, uh, I'm confident, and I feel joyful. So let's say they say all those things when they're playing their best. And then I say, when you're playing your worst, what are you thinking and feeling? And they might say, uh, my, intensity, my intensity level's low, I'm not confident, I'm nervous, uh, things are rushing in my mind. Well, the idea, you know, everything's related, the mind, right. the thinking, and the feeling. And so the idea is once we figure out what direction that that person needs to go, that's the direction we go. Because what I believe in the key to sports psychology is everybody is unique and everybody is their own model. What works for me might not work for you or it might not work for uh, Tiger Woods or, you know, Justin Thomas. The idea is you got to figure out what works for you and then move in that direction. So you got to figure out what thoughts and emotions click for you, and then we move in that direction for you to play your best golf under pressure. Okay, we're going through a round, and we've had four or five, you know, pars. We're hitting it pretty good. We're, you know, confident. We're not tense at all. And then all of a sudden, our game goes awry. We have two or three double bogeys right in a row. How do we get back, in other words, out of our funk, out of this bad mental, emotional state, and get back to what we need to do and what we were doing for those first five holes? Well, the, the basic answer to that is the, 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 the biggest problem that all golfers have is they have an expectation to shoot a certain score. Right. And so when they have a score in their mind, 
then when they're not playing at that score, they get frustrated, which is the emotions again, or they get mad. And so you have to get the score out of your mind. You have to basically stop thinking about, oh, I'm four over now, I'm five over. You have to basically be in the process. You know, everybody says one shot at a time, but ultimately that's it. You know, it's, it's if you, you know, Nick Saban, for the great coach from the University of Alabama, calls it the process. And it's really about playing every play with the highest intensity. That's really what golf's all about. It's basically hitting every shot with the high intensity and not thinking about the outcome, being totally involved in the process. That's, that's one answer. Another answer that a lot of, that I work with a lot of golfers that I think is really helpful is having a post-shot routine. And in a post-shot routine, I say you got three seconds to figure out what you did wrong. So after you hit a bad shot, you got three seconds to figure out what you did. Let's say uh, I got quick at the top. Then you take that practice swing with the fix, and then you see the ball go where you want, and then you just tell yourself next shot. Because what happens a lot of times is when you have one bad hole, you know, it's, a, it's negative baggage. It comes to the next hole and the next hole because they don't have, a let's say, a right. system to let go of the negative baggage. Right. You need a system to let go of that negative baggage. And part of that is you go through your post-shot routine, as you say, is – Okay, go through it, figure it out, and then start on the next hole, which means you need a short memory. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. Uh, everybody says what's great, uh, the, you know, the key to happiness is having a short memory, which is, which is pretty true. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's learning from your mistake and then moving on. I mean, that's, that's really the goal uh, that you can achieve. You know, the, the other thing is golf is hard. We all know golf is very, very difficult. Yeah. And when you think you have to be perfect, you're, you're going to get mad. You're going to get frustrated knowing you're going to make mistakes. I know Ben Hogan said he was expecting to hit back five bad shots around. You know, that's Ben Hogan. You should be expecting to hit a little bit more than five bad shots. And when they happen, you just learn from those and move on and, um, you know, enjoy the process. I know it seems simple, but ultimately that's the goal. Yeah. Well, tell us about your book, Mental Health, or Mental Health. That's probably a good, a better name. <laughs> Mental Rules for Golf. Sorry about that. Well, I, I wrote it uh, 15 years ago. Um, it's, you know, it has short stories. Uh, it's really about uh, developing, um, you know, confidence, concentration, um, motivation, uh, you know, all the keys. But the, the main key, I think, with uh, being successful in golf is self-awareness. And, mm. you know, once you know what makes you play your best, then you can move in the right direction. So it's based on, you know, some key principles of um, mental toughness and emotional toughness that I teach. You know, I teach uh, sports psychology at Austin P, which I've been doing that for 25 years. So I used a lot of those lectures. But what I did was, of late, because I know a lot of people don't like to uh, read books as much as, <clears throat> excuse me, do stuff online. So I flipped that onto an uh, online golf psychology course for the uh, International Golf Psychology Association at MasteringGolfPsychology.com, and a lot of people can read uh, a lot of free articles there. Well, that would definitely help. You have worked, though, with a lot of professional golfers. And let's just say for Brent Snedeker, who's had several coaches – uh, he's let, had a lot of ups and downs, uh, hasn't had a win in a while. Uh, how would you work with a pro that's won on the PGA Tour but hasn't won for quite a while and has been changing coaches? 
Yeah, that, that's a, uh, you know, I know Brandt has been changing coaches. He's trying to find the, the key ingredient. I think what happens with a lot of these guys, um, and it's not just Brandt, you know, they, they get into a, a slump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're searching, searching, searching. Uh, you know, I don't know what the exact answer is for Brandt, but, uh, and what the answer is for a lot of these guys. But I think the key is, again, it goes back to you, you are your best model. Brant needs to go back to, you know, maybe when he was in college uh, at Vanderbilt. When he was, I, he won ten tournaments. Uh, when I worked with the team at Vanderbilt, he won ten tournaments in college. I mean, he was just on fire. Yeah, he, he has to go back to kind of figure out what that that magic sauce was back then. And when he when he you know when he won the the um, FedEx, uh, he needs to know um, you know what to go back to the magic then kind of. He needs to find that that secret sauce he had back then. Not search necessarily what he's searching for in the future, but go back because whatever was working was really working for him. And I think you know a lot of a lot of pros say that. You know, when I go back to when I was you know younger and enjoying it and playing right. my best, not worrying about you know keeping my card or the money, I started playing a lot better. And it's right. because. That, you know, it was kind of like that was the magic sauce for them. Yeah, it's kind of like Jordan Spieth has been going through a lot of changes, and everybody's been saying, what's wrong with him? Well, he, he started trying to improve what was a good swing, a great swing, and he had a lot of wins, and now it just seems like it's in his head, what am I doing wrong, and he keeps trying to change. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, with Bryson, they're trying to find more distance, and then they ruin their swing that way. Um, you know, if, if it's working, it's working. Don't fix what, yeah. what was working. And, um, you know, we know with Jordan, I, you know, he, he hurt his wrist, so that was a problem. Um, you know, he lost confidence, you know. And you can see it, 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 it took a couple years, but he's building it back, um, and he's, uh, he's, he's almost there. Um, but, again... Uh, if I was working with Jordan, it would be like, what was the magic sauce you had when you were, you know, 15 when you're winning all those junior tournaments? Yeah. I think finding finding that inner um, golfer that w- when he was really just playing his best and not worrying so much about expectations from others, um, I think he would he would go back to the old Jordan. You know, I think a lot of these guys, and a perfect example is Jordan Spieth, they started, you know, becoming a superstar. So then the expectations are so high. Right. He believes in those. Right. And then the pressure becomes so great. He just, it, it's hard. You know, Tiger did it, but it's, it's really hard for a human to handle all those expectations. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't go out with expectations to shoot a certain score. I've learned that because I used to do that. And now you have to go out at least from, what I've evaluated about my own game, you have to go out with an intent to get your hips through. I mean, get your mind right. I mean, swing through the ball and those kind of thoughts rather than, gosh, if I double bogey this hole or I don't get out of the sand, I mean, uh, my expectations are gone. Well, you know, it's fun to keep a score. I mean, it everybody is. wants it to is. keep a score, but sure. the idea is that if you become a real good golfer and you're usually shooting, let's say around par, it puts a lot of pressure on you to, to shoot par, especially if you're, you know, an amateur and you don't practice every day and, you know, you can't play every day and you still have those expectations because you typically shoot around par. Right. Well, the problem is then you, you go out there and you have so much pressure and then you get frustrated. You don't realize instead of, um, you know, what I call the best, 
players turn pressure into pleasure because they, hmm. you know, enjoy the pressure, they have turned their pleasure into pressure. And then, they, you know, they get all mad and frustrated and, um, you know, they play even worse. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, give us your website again, Dr. Greg. I'm sure our listeners will want to go to it. I'm definitely going to go to it after this. Well, the online course is at MasteringGolfPsychology.com, and there's a bunch of free articles. You can go to a sample section, the competence section, see a bunch of free videos and articles, and actually get uh, an ebook on the mental game. Well, we appreciate your time. Thank you for being with us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. Thank you. It's definitely been my pleasure. All right. Dr. Greg Steinberg, sports psychologist, uh, go to his website, find out some more, and uh, try and enjoy uh, the process. Next up, good friend, regular guest, Jim Nugent, Global Golf Post, coming up next on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hi, I'm Dottie Pepper with CBS Sports, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're glad you're with us. Our next guest, good friend, Jim Nugent, CEO of Global Golf Post. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good morning, Rich. Thanks for having me on today. It is a pleasure. Great seeing you last week at the uh, unusual PGA show. Uh, what were your reactions? What's your takeaway? You know, I think that uh, people went into the show with such low expectations that ultimately their expectations were exceeded. Uh, I think the PGA of America deserves credit for shrinking the floor size and dressing it up uh, nicely such that uh, there felt like there was a good vibe, a lot of energy in the room. And so I thought for what it was, and it was nothing like it's been ever before, it wasn't, uh, it was a successful week for those who invested their time to come. Yeah, I actually found, uh, as far as what I go down there for to do some interviews, uh, that people really had more time and we had more in-depth interviews than when it was like it was before, so crowded with people there and so many booths. They really didn't have enough time to really give you a good interview. I think one of the learnings of uh, last week is that big isn't necessarily better. Uh, shrinking it a little bit in terms of attendees and square footage might be uh, the future of the PGA Merchandise Show going forward. So that's one of your suggestions, I would assume, to shrink the booths, not make it as big. And do you see still a future for the PGA Show? I know there's been a lot on social media like, it's dead. I mean, they should stop doing this. They should cut it to, you know, a, a demo day and two days of a show instead of three. I, I think the future of the show is is safe. Uh, really, it hinges on two companies, Callaway and Akushnet Golf, Akushnet being the parent of Titleist and FootJoy, and both have indicated that this is a one-off. They'll be back next year. Uh, they probably won't be back in as big a way as they once were. But they'll be back, and they'll bring everyone back with them that, that chose to sit on the sidelines this year. I think the, the future of the show uh, is, is safe. And I think that uh, the PGA of America is looking for ways to freshen it up and, and make it more meaningful for the industry. Did it bother you that some of the major folks, I mean, basically the club manufacturers weren't there? No, it didn't, because I, I, I know the rethink. Um, I'll give you an example. Akushnik Golf, again, the parent of Tylus and Footjoy, their employees are not back to work in their office. How can the CEO of the company tell their employees, you can't come to work, but I need you to get on a plane and convene in Orlando, Florida, where most of their work is done in small conference rooms with 200 people packed shoulder to shoulder? Right. Uh, 
that that would have been irresponsible. And and so uh, it was a one-off decision brought on by the variant, brought on by COVID. Hopefully we're on the other side of that sometime this year and, and next January. I think things will start to resume uh, what, what they once were, but I don't think it'll ever be the same as it was. Yeah. Um, fortunately, there's a lot of things in this world that will not be the same as it was. But, all right, there was one thing that I'd, I'd, I did not, I saw it, but I didn't take enough time to go to it. But this pub at the show that people were looking at where they could actually buy for their home or their golf course. Uh, I didn't see that either. I'm not sure exactly what you're referring oh, to. Oh, it, 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 it was a pub thing where you could set it up, and it oh, was the called... the pub, the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an Irish pub there that uh, uh, was was the talk of the show. It was, uh, you know, it was a tiny halfway house type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and <laughs> just because it was the week that it was, that was the, the star of the show. You could buy this thing, and you could take it home. You could take it to your golf course. Uh, it, it was like a kid, a kid's clubhouse. It was about that big, uh, but everybody was quite amused by that, and they were serving uh, uh, adult beverages from it all, all week long. Yeah, and you know, even the price tag of eighty thousand dollars, I understand uh, through some folks that I talked with that they sold several there at the PGA show. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that in the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. It- Anyway, adult beverages are always good on a golf course. All right, let's change the subject from the PGA show to uh, the Saudi tournament. Uh, 21 of the top 50 pros are there. Uh, The tour said, and you and I have talked about it, uh, they changed their kind of directive and said, okay, you can play, but you've got to play at Pebble Beach two out of the next three years. Your thoughts? I think the tour did the right thing. Um, this is a one-off. It's uh, now part of the uh, Asian tour. Um, it wasn't worth uh, taking on a fight with a one-off tournament when there's a bigger fight in store down the road, and that's between the PGA Tour and the Saudi Startup League. Uh, if, if there's going to be a battle, if you're going to go to court, you want to go in and fight the main event. You don't want to fight some... Uh, undercard event. And so I think uh, Jay Monahan and, and Keith Pelley smartly realized that, released the players to play in this. Uh, there's a bigger uh, battle coming sometime this year is my expectation. Yeah. Why do some of the pros, uh, Jim, it seems like some of them do not like playing Pebble Beach. Is it because of the amount of play that it gets, because the weather is so iffy at times, the greens are small? I've heard a lot of players talk about it's bumpy, but they usually, some of them just don't put it on their schedule. It's a combination of factors. Uh, more often than not, the weather's terrible. Uh, the golf course is not in U.S. open shape. It's soft, it's wet, it's bumpy. Uh, and also because of the pro-am format, you're talking about uh, uh, six-hour rounds of golf. And you, you put all those, those factors in a drink, and the pros decide that they just don't want to drink it. Um, there's just too many better opportunities on, on golf courses where the, the ground is firm and, and the, the rounds aren't six hours to play at this time of year, and so they take a pass. Yeah. Uh, jumping back just a second, because the thought just came to me, when I was down at the PGA show, I, a lot of folks were saying, you know, it's been now two years since some of these major club manufacturers have been at the show. Next year it'll be three. But, 
you know, why would they go spend, and we talked about them taking smaller booths, all this money when business is up and you've still got some restrictions where their offices are not open. I mean, that is another big factor. They've got good business without having to spend all that money. A very valid question. I have a very good friend in the industry who has a, a very successful men's uh, apparel company on the West Coast. He's had his two best years in 2020 and 2021. And he said to me in the middle of 2021 as he was planning, why should I put a, a six-figure number back in my budget um, when I've had these two great years and I didn't have a PGA show? Yeah, It's a very, very valid question, and it's a, a difficult question to get your arms around. Yeah. Do you think that possibly looking at another time of the year would be better for the PGA show than January? Because a lot of the offers and the deals have been made in October, November. Well, I think January is the right time of year. It's a, a slow time. It's the beginning of a, a new year. Um, uh, I, I, I would, I would not be in favor of a, a different time of year. Yeah, I can. Well, I've just heard a lot of talk about maybe they need to change the date, but all right, let's jump back to Saudi golf, the battle that will probably go on. Um, and we'll just have to see where it's going to go. But do you think that Saudi golf has gained any ground on the PGA Tour players of any kind? I don't, because uh, this is the week that they would have used as a coming-out party to announce that Player A and Player B and Player C have signed up. Uh, and none of that's happened. Um, I think that the Saudis are finding this to be much more difficult than they ever imagined. They don't have any players. They don't have any golf courses. They don't have any television partners, and they're supposed to start, well, they were supposed to start in March. Now I'm hearing June. Um, I, I think this has proven to be a far bigger mountain for them to climb than they ever imagined. And, and they're also finding that money is maybe not the only thing that gets the attention of the American golf pros. Yeah, there was an alleged offer in social media to Bryson of $130 million, and so everybody's comparing to that offer to what Tiger made on the tour, but uh, Bryson denied that there was really an official offer. There's about lots of players and lots of dollar figures, and, and you just, you know, until somebody signs and somebody says something firm, it, it's all meaningless. Um, they're, they're just, it's, it's, in, in my estimation, it's a, a solution in search of a problem. And I don't think that there's a problem, a proven problem, with the format offered by the PGA Tour at this moment in time. What do you think about Phil's comments, uh, kind of like, I don't want anybody telling me where I can play and can't play, and, you know, da-da-da, when he's made so much money over the last 30 years from the PGA Tour? I think Phil crossed the line this week. Uh, he called the organization that helped him win $100 million over his career greedy. Yeah. Uh, that just doesn't add up. But I don't think it really matters anymore because Phil's 51 years old and nobody's telling him where he's going to play or not play. He isn't going to be playing much on the PGA Tour because he doesn't have enough game any longer to play out there. And he can play wherever he wants on the Champions Tour whenever he wants. Yeah, I think he was uh, off base and increasingly uh, moving over to the irrelevant side of the equation. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, I think uh, he called the tour greedy. I think he may be the one who may be greedy. But anyway, 
We've got to take a quick break, Jim. We'll be right back with Jim Nugent, Global Golf Post, on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Jones IV. I'm the grandson of Bobby Jones, a clinical sports psychologist, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone with Jim Nugent, good friend, uh, who's always looking very dapper when I see him at the uh, PGA show. And uh, Jim, we've talked a little bit about Saudi golf and uh, all this stuff that's going on, but what is going on with Rory McIlroy? Boy, if I uh, knew that, I'd call Rory and I'd be... <laughs> and let him know, yeah. Yeah. You know, he... he... He's just such a hard one to grapple with. There's there's such innate talent there, such God-given talent. And he wants it so badly that sometimes I think he just makes uh, either bad judgments or bad swings or both at the wrong time. Um, everybody's pulling for Rory. Everybody wants to see him win at Augusta and finish the career Grand Slam. But sometimes he just can't seem to get out of his own way, and it makes all of us who are Rory fans, and, and I'm an unabashed one, scratch your head and wonder what's what's going through his mind yeah i know phil i mean you know for many years they always say you know the only person's going to ruin phil's chances of winning is going to be phil because of some of the shots that he tries and you know rory may be in that same boat and i thought earlier this year he kind of said you know i just need to get out of my own way and just relax and play this game and enjoy it more i think that's true um you could look at the bright side, though, and say that he's got two outings and he's got two really good finishes. He didn't win, but he was right there in contention. So maybe it's just early in the year and this bodes well. But uh, those of us that have been watching him for a long time, are <clears throat> we're holding our breath. Well, Hudson Swafford and Luke List uh, held their breath and held on to uh, get some really big wins for them for their career over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've both got to be just unbelievably excited Hudson I wasn't even watching him and all of a sudden here he is up at the top of that tournament yeah the tour is not exactly uh put its brand names out there at the top of the leaderboard the last couple of weeks but the fields have been weak as well uh but good stories both of them nice to see Hudson get a, another win nice to see Luke List break through these are our true journeymen on the PGA tour and it's nice to see that every once in a while a journeyman can journeyman can uh cash a check and hold a trophy what are your thoughts, Jim? Uh, you know, we see all these ratings and how many people are watching golf tournaments and, you know, the Hawaii and the California are always at prime time. They don't get a, got a, a lot of listeners. Um, uh, you know, that's somewhat disappointing, I guess, for the sponsors, but we do know the listeners are their customers because they play golf and they're watching golf, but the ratings have not been that good. Do you think that's going to have any kind of effect in the future as far as sponsorships and for the PGA Tour? No, excuse me, I don't, because I don't think they're uh, terribly out of line with, with history. Um, you know, this is the United States of America, and in the United States of America, no sport uh, begins until the Super Bowl is over, and every sport comes to an end the day in September when the first football is kicked uh, in the air. This is a football country, and right now we're in the playoffs, and we've got the Super Bowl ahead of us. Uh, people aren't going to pay attention until uh, to pay attention to golf or anything else really until after the Super Bowl is over. Yeah, and a lot of people, honestly, uh, that I've talked with, really think the golf season starts at the Masters. 
for most average golfers, that's absolutely true. Um, even though the players has moved back to March, and that's a, a big and important tournament with a, a great field on a great golf course, uh, for most Americans, particularly in the northern parts of the country where you're, you're in the dead of winter through much of March, uh, the Masters signals the start of the golf season. You can get out, you can play a little bit, you can watch it on TV. Uh, so for average golfers, that's true. For serious golfers, not so much. But still, uh, football dominates the airwaves at this time of year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I saw Harris English uh, the other day uh, in the locker room, and uh, uh, he's out. He's getting ready to leave, I think, probably tomorrow or Monday for um, Tucson or for, or for Phoenix for the big tournament out there, which that tournament big is the hole at 16. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a tournament that's taken on a life of its own. Um, it, it's the one tournament that does reasonably well against football because they, they set it to finish right before the, the kickoff. You've got that 16th hole uh, antics going on uh, all week long, but especially on the weekend. So that's a, a tournament that's found its own way. It does uh, pretty well and, and raises just a boatload of money for charity. It's, oh, my it's gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's what, three, 400000 maybe even more. But, Jim... I thank you for being with us. Uh, pleasure seeing you a couple of weeks ago at the show, and uh, I hope you have a good day. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Jim Nugent, Global Golf Post. want to thank him for being with us, along with uh, Millen Rakechern of the uh, Georgia State Golf Association talking about the Jones Cup, and Dr. Greg Steinberg of Metal Rules talking about his book and how we need to be more emotionally involved in our golf game. Hey, listen to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPNCoastal.com or wherever you catch golf podcasts. Listen to it. We'll see you next week on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.